But uh, I was drawn to the excitement of just getting together and recognizing that uh, when Jesus made that promise, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Now, I believe that can happen online and around as well. But it's that third-party participation that has made something precious in our lives. It's the awareness that when we get together, it's not just us, that we have that anticipation of the presence of God ministering to our hearts. And we've experienced that over time. And so it's one of those things where, you know, when we're separated, there's an awareness, too, that this, there's something missing. And um, I think just as a person grows up and there's that longing toward marriage as a kid, you, you start thinking about it early, early on. But you know that you were designed and created for it. And in the same way, maybe we haven't treated as preciously the awareness that we were created for fellowship with each other in the Lord as well. And so there is that thing that once we you know, have a few weeks of difference, it, in some ways it can, it, it can draw that back to us, that awareness of, I really am blessed by the relationships that I have. Um, in the Old Testament, um, they used to have that um, psalm of ascents, or they would sing songs, and they had a specific pattern when they would take each step, they would sing a song going up into the temple. And uh, so if you read, what is it, 121 through 134, I think it is, um, those psalms, 133 says, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And uh, then he gives a couple illustrations. He says, like it's the, the anointing oil that's poured on Aaron or poured on the priest was the idea. And he says, that's just so, it's representative of the presence of God flowing down. And then he gives an illustration off of the mountains. He says, like, the dew on Mount Hermon coming down and watering the plains and watering the hills. Uh, you know, just that awareness that there's something precious in the Lord of his presence that comes and speaks to our hearts when we gather. And, you know, for me, a lot of years I was wrestling, well, how do I even know God talks to me? Uh, but oftentimes I would associate the highest times of peace or joy that I would experience as a person was in settings like this, where just something in me would go, it's okay. I know that I know it's okay. And it was one of those powerful things of just saying, I think God's speaking to me in this moment. You know, it's not words, but it's just an awareness and a, and a sense of this is good. And, uh, you know, that, that was one of the th building blocks, so to speak, in helping me understand when God really is speaking to me. You know, there are times when, when I get passages of Scripture, I look up and, it, you know, the, I, I literally get a reference in mind. I look it up and it'll have something that's poignant for my life in that moment. And there are other times when, you know, I'm under the gun to 
to hear at least once a week from the Lord, right? I mean, <laughs> there's a certain pressure, you know, to, you better have something, you know, in the Lord. It's, and, and he makes some of us ministers just because we have to get that right at least once a week because he knows our tendency to wander, you know. And, but that, that hearing from the Lord is, is very, very precious, and it comes through different ways, but there's opportunity for each of us to have our life guided and directed by the presence of God if we'll allow him. And part of that is in community together. Um, I, I pulled a passage, you know, different ones have been precious to me during this season, but First Timothy, he says, I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanks be offered on behalf of all people, even for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. It's completely appropriate that we pray for our, our governmental leadership. Completely appropriate we pray for Governor Whitmer. We ask God you speak to her even this morning. We ask that you guide her decision-making. We ask that you, uh, the, the advisors around her will be speaking words of wisdom. We pray for our president the same way. We pray for President Trump. And we ask that, that he be able to make the decisions that affect our nation, that make it go in a positive direction. You know, <laughs> two different parties represented there, right? People that don't necessarily even like each other. But at the same time, completely appropriate for us as believers to ask God's favor for both of them and his blessing and wisdom. And part of that is there is a recognition that if government is functioning appropriately and healthily, then our lives have opportunity for that as well. And we have opportunity for interaction with each other that isn't stymied by a government. And so it's, it's right that we pray for these things. Um, he says, such prayer is good and welcomed before God our Savior because he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So he, he takes it from there and says, we want this setting where we can share the gospel. And it can be declared because God wants everyone to be in relationship with him. That's part of his desire. And it goes on, for there's one God, one intermediary between God and humanity, Jesus Christ. Himself gave himself up as a ransom for all, revealing God's purpose at this appointed time. The intermediary is a, a mediator or a go-between. It's the one that helps work deals out. And that's what we see with Jesus as being, you know, before God, none of us lives perfect. None of us has the, the, uh, the power he does. None of us has the knowledge he does. None of us has, you know, the... We aren't on his plane, so to speak. And yet, through Jesus, we have opportunity to have access. What an incredible thing that is. Um, I want to go over to Philippians now as well. And in the third chapter, he says, Let us live up to the standard that we've already attained. Be imitators of me, brothers and sisters, and watch carefully those who are living this way, just as you have seen us for an example. So again, Paul's saying, my life is pulled together in the Lord, and, and it's the kind of life that you could even imitate. 
And he says, let's, let's do this thing together. Let's go forward in the Lord. And he goes on to say, there are some that, uh, that live as enemies of the cross. They live completely contrary to that. And, and we can see that in our culture, right? We can see the two, it seems like that divide is widening. But at the same time, with that knowledge, he says, we know what we need to do. And we know what's appropriate. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And then first and foremost, that's what we cling to. And, and, and we, we go citizen of heaven, then citizen of the United States. You know, citizen of or Marquette, you know. <laughs> I guess, you know, however you want to break it down. Um, but he says our, our primary thing is this citizenship in heaven. And we, we hang on to that. He says, we're going to be transformed. These humble bodies that, uh, you know, that picked up the COVID-19 <laughs> during the break. Um, yeah, that, that body, just, that's going to all be changed. We're going to inherit an eternal body. And the only one that can do that is God himself. He makes that happen for us. So we, we look forward to this eternal time with him. But that's all part of, in a daily life, we, 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 we're walking on, we're encountering new things, but there's a knowledge that, yeah, this is still temporal. What really counts for me is the eternal. I want to go to Psalm 40. Um, I don't know if you had any dark times during this season. I did. A couple weeks ago, I hit a wall, um, theologically. Uh, throughout my life, I have um, looked at creation and evolution regularly, um, and I have studied both sides extensively. But um, I, I kind of got into back door this time around. Uh, a person that I'd been recommending their videos and such um, believes differently than I believe in regard to creation. And they, they believe Genesis to be a literary document, but not necessarily history. And it threw me into one of those spins again. I'm going, I hope I'm not doing this wrong. And I, you know, I, I, I don't want to preach without a sense of this is right. And so I, I was drawn back, thankfully, um, uh, the Genesis Project, and then um, Adele Tackett has done a series, is Genesis History, really well done. And uh, I went through those again, and it was one of those times where it just, um, you know, for me, it isn't a, the critical issue, but it's important. You know, and that's, that's the thing that I, I, I went back, and I was reviewing those, and I was just kind of going, you know what, I just thank God that he created it, created us, but also that he has left enough markers that we can look at and say, this is amazing what you've done. So that was the, the theological side. And then there were other things that, you know, of darkness, so to speak. I, I, uh, one day I'm griping in my mind about someone, none of you, of course, <laughs> Well, maybe, uh, but uh, 
I hear this, this little voice, and I believe it was the Lord. He's gone, that's you. No, no, I'm, they do this. Yeah, that's be, you don't like it because you do that. No way. Yeah. And then it was laid out for me. And I'm going, oh, that's disgusting. You know? <laughs> But it's, it was one of those moments, you know, where I'd had enough time by myself that some of those issues were exposed. You know, and, and we don't, none of us likes that. But it, it's healthy, it's appropriate, but it's, it's still, in the moment, you just, you can hardly believe that you've been busted for such a thing. You know, that... Because we know we're so much better than that <laughs> until it's, you know, unveiled, so to speak, and, and we see what everybody else sees about us. And, and, and so it's one of those times, but I love Psalm 40 because it talks of, of despair and yet being lifted out. And he says, I relied completely on the Lord. He turned toward me and heard my cry for help. He lifted me out of the watery pit, out of the slimy mud. He placed my feet on a rock and gave me a secure footing. So it's like I called out, he heard, he picked me up and took care of me. He gave me a reason to sing a new song, praising our God. Many may see what God has done, that they may swear allegiance to him and trust in the Lord. How blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and does not seek help from the proud and from the liars. Oh, Lord, my God, you've accomplished many things. You've done amazing things, and, and for your, uh, your purposes, no one can thwart you. I want to declare them and talk to about them, but they are too numerous to recount. And then he goes on, receiving sacrifices and offerings are not your primary concern. You make quite clear that you do not ask for burnt sacrifices and sin offerings. Then I said, look, I... Come, what is written in the, in the scripture pertains to me. I want to do what pleases you, my God. Your law dominates my thoughts. Now, this psalm was picked up by the New Testament writers, and it was uh, its truth was drawn out. And Hebrews, uh, in some ways, goes after it, and he says. The psalmist was understanding that it's not about this sacrificial system that he was participating in. You know, they would regularly sacrifice animals for their sin. Uh, there would be the shedding of blood. They, they went through all these things. They would burn the sacrifice. And yet, in that moment, he's going, that's not what's key about this. What you want, really want is a heart that's completely turned to you. And so the Hebrew writer picks it up and he says, the first system is replaced by the second, by this one who says, I will do everything you ask. And so this is where um, we see the role of Jesus coming in as the pure, spotless Son of God who does everything in the Father's will, in a sense, replaces the burnt sacrifice, replaces the blood offerings, in a sense, was the sacrifice himself in dying on the cross. 
But, you know, the imagery is carried through, but the Hebrew writers recognizing one system got replaced by a better system, and the psalmist saw it coming. The psalmist was looking and saying, what you really want is a heart that's completely turned toward you. So it's a powerful, powerful awareness. I thought of one other psalm, and I'm going to walk through this, and then we'll be done. But uh, it says, Why do the nations rebel? Why are the countries devising plots that will fail? The kings of the earth form a united front. The rulers collaborate again in the Lord and against his anointed king. They say, let's tear down the shackles. Let's free ourselves from the ropes. And I was thinking how, you know, all through the, the world right now, there's this push to, you know, in a sense, unite and form a plan and everything, do every, you know, let's, we'll get it right. And yet, it's by and large a godless idea. And it's a, a plan that seeks to develop things without God's input. It's a, it's a government that will, you know, declares itself, will have all the answers, but it doesn't take God into account. And in that, it says, the one enthroned in heaven laughs in disgust. The Lord taunts them. Then he angrily speaks to them and terrifies them in his rage and saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. God says, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And so he's making a declaration and saying, the kings of the earth, it really doesn't matter what they say. He says, my plan is going to be fulfilled. Um, it says, I will announce the Lord's decree. He said to, me, uh, said to me, you are my son. This very day I've become your father. Ask me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The ends of the earth as your personal property. The New Testament writers looked at that and associated that with Jesus. So you have this thing of the nations are doing their own thing. God says, I'm going to establish who's the king. And then we see that being carried out through Jesus. And the New Testament writers understood that. But it goes on to say, you will break them with an iron scepter. You will smash them like a potter's jar. And that verse is picked up in the New Testament and carried on. It says, you kings do what is wise. Rulers of the earth submit to correction. Serve the Lord in fear, repent in terror. It says, understand, God is, is over the kingdoms of the earth. And so do what's right in his eyes. Acts. Remember when Peter and, and John were thrown in jail? They'd, in Acts chapter 3, a lame man had... Uh, been asking for alms and, or, you know, you got any money? And, and they're going, no, but what we have, we give you. And, and Peter picks him up and the man is healed. Well, it stirs up the whole town. And uh, suddenly they're, they're, they're um, brought before the Sanhedrin and leaders and they go, what, what right do you have to do these things? What are you doing? And uh, the leaders recognize these people have been with Jesus they also recognize, here's the healed man. They've got nothing to say against him. But they warn Peter and John, don't be doing this teaching anymore. Don't be making this noise. 
And uh, Peter and John come back to the, to the rest of the disciples and the, and the believers, and they say, you know, the psalmist talked about this. The psalmist talked about governments raging against what God is doing. And he says, and then they go into prayer and they say, Lord, pay attention to threats. Grant your servants to speak your message with great courage while you extend your hand to heal and to bring about miraculous signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they're going, we know what took place in our lives even in this moment was prophesied about a thousand years previous in Psalm chapter 2. We understand that nations don't necessarily adhere to what God is wanting done. He says, God, see what's going on in our lives. See what this government is doing. But allow us to speak your word courageously. It says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God courageously. So their prayer was answered. And there was an awareness that they... they went back to the scripture and said, yeah, we've seen this before. We know it takes place. Here it is. Now, one f this is used in a number of other passages, but in the, in the book of Revelation, at least three times, this verse is quoted. And the last is in, re in regard to Christ's return to earth. And it's not the, the mild, gentle, humble Jesus that dies on the cross. It's the victorious warrior that is coming back to claim his kingdom. So part of the belief in connected with this citizenship in heaven is the awareness that God is going to set everything in order at some point in time. And the Jesus who rose from the dead, showed power over death, Jesus who has ascended to the Father, is at the right end of the Father, is going to one day come back, and, it's, and the picture is painted of a, uh, in a powerful setting, it, it, uh, it, it talks of him as having eyes that are glowing with fire or burning. He's wearing crowns, uh, again, a sign of power and authority. It says, out of his mouth comes a sword. And, and we should interpret that as when he speaks, things happen. It, it, you know, with a word, the worlds were created. And, and with his voice... He will change the way that the world's rule are, are ruled. He will, will come back victorious. It speaks of him having his robe dipped in blood. It's, a, it's an incredible picture uh, of the armies of God coming to earth and setting things in order. And it says uh, he's called faithful. He's called true. He's called the word of God. He's called the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when we, you know, we come out of this, I'm just going, God, once again, we recognize you as sovereign over our times. Times are changing, right? Things are not going to go back to the same as they were. Um, thankfully, for some of that, <laughs> some of it's going to be different than, it's, than we, we've known. But there's an awareness that we still are part of something that's bigger than all of this. And we are part of something that's eternal and wondrous. And it's our privilege to participate.